Today on Oxl FM, we continue to define gaming genres, this time with racing games. We discuss what even constitutes a racing game, how they all differ, and really, what just makes them fun to play and keep coming back to. Hello and welcome to the episode of Octlef M. I'm Sefran. And I'm Gelada. And we are defining a genre today. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, the genre today is racing games, or racing yeah. specifically. This is one that you requested us do. You are very mm. much the, the racer between the two of us, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would go with that. This is a continuation of a series of episodes we're doing where we're defining a genre by the mm. games that are within it. So we've done a few episodes before with things like platformers, GRPGs, RTSs. We did that one twice, ironically. So go back and listen to those there. Um, But one of the things that we wanted to do with this episode, like we did with the JRPG episode, is rather than focusing on particular games that define the genre as a whole, look at the separate sub-genres within racing. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things we sort of came across when we were doing the research for it quite quickly is that, like, it's quite hard to compare games like Super Mario Kart with Gran Turismo, because right. they're racing games, but yeah. they're not really the same game. Yeah, you definitely cannot compare them. They they share some common stuff, and you know they are definitely both racing games, um, but they're absolutely very very different. And there's also like different vehicles potentially as well, right? Like racing mm. planes or boats or like you know things like that rather than cars. Um, we have focused primarily on sort of car based things. There's no, we're not. Yeah. Wave, spoiler alert but wave race isn't on this list and we're probably gonna miss quite a lot of things because it is such a broad genre mm. like there is a huge number of different games and different styles of games and all kinds of things and we're really gonna talk about ones that i guess you know these these episodes are always quite personal we're yes. gonna talk very much about like games that uh define the genre for me or for us uh rather than necessarily objectively like the most important or the most defining games of the genre what i find quite interesting is whilst i was doing the notes for this and the research is like how many games i went oh yeah there's that game series as Mm, well of like like for example one of the ones i completely forgot about until i started doing the research this was burnout i was like right yeah yeah, that's a racing game yeah because it doesn't play like a traditional racing game because it's got mm. sort of like the more unique mechanics of going fast in a straight line and mm. the destruction elements of things and things like that like the burnout mechanic you yeah. don't necessarily equate it to games like for example forza mm. or gran turismo or something like mm. that but right. it's still a racing game yeah and i think racing games are interesting to talk about from a video games as a whole point of view because they've always pushed the boundaries of video games in terms of like technical complexity right Mm. like as hardware and technology has got better you know games consoles have got better pcs have got better arcades have got better racing games are always there at the front you know they're actually Mm. often even used as like poster childs of new consoles you know it's Mm. like here's the ps2 and here's the new gran turismo game for it that looks amazing you know like it they very much are that that sort of thing They've also actually been quite traditionally very PC heavy. Um, It was interesting doing some research and realizing that there's a bunch of games that, you know, are really important racing games and they never came off the PC. You know, they like just lived on the PC. But yeah, like there's there's so much part of the reason why they push the boundaries is because 
a lot of them are, you know, in some ways simulating the real world. And there's always more depth to simulation that you yes, can add. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Whether it's That's always a good selling or, point as well. Right. Exactly. So whether it's damage or the mechanics or the environments or, mm. you know, weather systems mixed different driving on different surfaces, how good's the AI, like there's just so much and it just keeps getting you know, it can just get more and more detailed and more and more complex. And on and, top of all of that, it's how all of those individual things interact with each other as well. Like, right. for example, if you damage your car, how will it be, be affected if you're driving on, say, a rough terrain rather than on a smooth surface now? Yeah. And if it's going to be wet weather, how is that going to affect the way in which your car goes around the track at, you know, different speeds and how quickly your tires might wear out and things like that and all of these things could just continuously be improved on because Mm -hmm. the realism within video games is only going to improve and improve over time as the computing power improves as well i would say we're starting to hit a bit of crescendo in terms of the ability to produce Mm -hmm. more photorealistic graphics Mm. but i think in terms of the ability to create a simulated experience is just going to carry on growing and growing i mean we can now it's to the point where you know, like F1 drivers can pretty realistically and reliably use sort of like, you know, gaming simulators mm. to practice for a, an actual race. Yeah. Obviously, it's still not the same, but they can get a very good approximation now. But on the flip side of all that realism, racing games are also an opportunity to be quite creative and do sort of mm. interesting things with different mechanics as well. Like you already mentioned it, Sensor, we're not really talking about something like, for example, Wave Race. Because, I mean, who would have mm. thought about like, you know, racing jet skis or not jet skis right. like whatever they're called you know legally speaking yeah. um <laughs> you know but you wouldn't do that in a realistic environment on the game because it wouldn't be as fun necessarily so you get that more arcadey feel but then also you get thick things for example like with real no, no realistic physics like i think about like anti-grav sections in like mario kart for example right right or or e- i even said in the notes here like for example with like flying with elite dangerous spaceships with mm. fire assist off like right. that still you can still race like that and there, and there are games that are going to be like that that require very specific setup of you know controls and and mm. the manner in which you're going to race around a particular circuit you know all of these things are only available within video games you couldn't do them in real life you know yeah yeah agreed agreed there's a lot of creativity and also like it's important to remember that racing games are some of the largest selling games of all time. Like some of these Mm. franchises that we're going to talk about are not, they're not a niche, you know, like it's like they are, they are console sellers. They are chart topping games. You know, they are really, really, really huge. And from a, from our point of view as well, like a lot of racing games are from the UK, which is really interesting. Like the UK has a really strong pedigree. You know, you think about Codemasters and Playground Games Turn 10 and, um, you know, there's many, many more. Like Mm. a lot of them are from the UK (laughs) and not from from the US or or from the Mm. East. But they're based around here, which is interesting. And I think the best place to start is probably at the very beginning, which Mm. is the arcades. Because before we had typical games consoles that were very barely even capable of showing pong you know (laughs) we had arcade machines that were almost replicating like you know a racing experience as you would expect on any kind of game and there were lots of really early ones in the 70s for example you put some here there and with speed race for example uh grand track 10 uh and there would have been some other sort of like semi like polygonal 3d ones like for example Mm -hmm. i remember playing like a monster truck one on the right right yeah things like that 
yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which would have been come from an original arcade machine initially. But the one that always stands out, and I think everyone will probably agree, is Outrun. Right. Yeah. Outrun, it's a little bit later than those early games, right? From Like, it was 1986 when Outrun came out. Uh, and actually, it's from the, it's Sega, right? So actually, after mm-hmm. saying that all of these games are from the UK, uh, yeah. <laughs> except, Out, except Outrun. <laughs> <laughs> except the game that basically kicked off the racing uh, right. boom of the arcade era, yeah. It's interesting, a lot of the arcade machines as well could be extra special by having like wheels pedals and and gearboxes right like they could they could do more of the car simulation and even outrun had like a very like outrun has like a special edition one that's like a proper like you sit down you're enclosed Mm. like it's got a big screen in front of you and stuff like that like that's you couldn't do that on a console in like the 80s or 90s because you know people were it was even getting people to buy a console was a big deal let alone getting someone to buy like loads of gears for one game on the console you know that was a lot tougher and we've already talked about outrun before in fairness because we did this for uh games of 1986 uh which was episode 117 so we don't need to focus too much on what we've already said before about like what Mm. the game was and why it was so successful because we, we can go back and listen to that the long and short of effectively was it was just not it was the kind of thing we hadn't really seen before but done with perfection mm. and like you say being in the arcade having that sort of like that that whole simulated setup of sitting in a vehicle but from a racing car point of view as well it, it just it felt super fun because of the speed that you felt like you were traveling mm. at so you know the the way in which the game was made to look like a quasi-realistic approach to what, what, what kind of car the ferrari testarossa is that right like yeah it, it looks like the a, a real car it you know, is it's like got a ferrari logo on it oh well it, it's not even supposed to be just the, the fake version no, no, <laughs> no, like no, it actually brand. is no, a ferrari like, testarossa <laughs> maybe that's an early example of like brand loyal uh, brand time so anyway as well, like i'm questioning myself now but i'm pretty certain that it is <laughs> meant to be a ferrari <laughs> but as a result of and, and it, it pushed away for multiplayer racing games as well in arcades where you had like you know joint cabinets like you know cabinets that mm. were all connected to one another to allow for for racing and then this then goes on to some similar games uh within the arcade genre with things like daytona usa mm. yeah. and sega rally championships i mean you still see mm. those in like this few surviving arcade machines across the world even now you know because they're mm. like so ubiquitous yeah i also think what's interesting and we'll see this a little bit with not all of the games on this list but some of them is that they'll often be drawing from culture at the time because cars mm. are quite intrinsically linked to a lot of culture, whether it's films or or TV or just generally, right? Like just cars, like like cars from the 80s look like cars from the 80s. Like they're, they're designed like fashion, right? Like they mm. have design aspects from that era, like the Ferrari Testarossa Spider. And Outrun was inspired by a comedy film called Cannonball Run, which is about a cross-country, cross-America uh, like unofficial race and that's actually a real thing the cannibal run is is a it, like going from east to west or west to east in america very illegally at speed <laughs> you know you can like it's not like driving from the top and bottom of the uk like you're driving some very very empty roads going across yeah. the center of america doing absolutely ridiculous speeds and <laughs> like there's a whole rabbit hole of culture there to go and look down which i encourage you to do mm. go and find out about these teams of people that spend months planning these illegal journeys yeah. <laughs> where they have spotters spotting for police they will have cars full of gear to detect like police radar and stuff like that and 
ultimately they will record the time and it's like they can't tell anyone that they've recorded the time until yes. the st- whatever it's the statutory statute of limitations expires and they're allowed <laughs> to get away with it because if they say yes we crossed america in however many hours it's like you had to break the speed limit to do that to do that yeah <laughs> it's really fun to, really interesting um so and, a comedy yeah. film influenced by a real life a, yeah. a legal set of races yeah. then inspired one of the most influential racing arcade games of all time exactly and i think like (laughs) later games as well (laughs) i think later games as well are also inspired by that culture that sort of cross-country run you know like like racing sort of culture um it definitely follows through in a lot in some of the other games we're going to talk about i mean in fairness that bleeds into some of the almost the open world racing games that we're going to talk about later as well like because that's become more of a popular thing recently with things like the horizons games which Mm. uh, have been very popular but also things like the crew is another one for example but we will get to those because they are Mm. another genre within themselves within mm. racing genres yeah um, absolutely w- an- another vibe i'd like to say for <laughs> racing games is the sci-fi vibe right mm. this really does sort of move away from the traditional you know car road you know racing track that kind of thing yeah. and the one that we wanted to go for this is kind of the classic and it's kind of the one that sort of like invented the genre for the most part i'm sure someone's going to email us and tell us otherwise of course um but that would be f-zero um, on right. the Super Nintendo, which I really didn't realise until you've done these notes here that it was a launch title. Like, that surprises me. Blows my mind. Blows my mind that F-Zero was a launch title because it has the Mode 7 graphics, right, where they take a 2D sprite and then rotate it so it's on a 3D yeah. plane. I thought that that was like a like hack on the SNES that's like they found later on. You yeah, know, or like yeah, yeah, worked yeah. out that they could do. I didn't realize that was like baked in and was in a le- was like, yeah, like a selling feature effectively. Yeah. Um, really interesting. Um, you know, like, and t- to be honest, like, yeah, there wasn't a lot out there at the time that, you know, you either had like, like Outrun is like a treadmill style, right? Like the car doesn't really mm-hmm. move and you're just, and actually the background is the only thing that's moving. Or you would be like on the, you would view from the side, like Excite Bike, right? Where it's yes, like a yeah, 2D. Yeah, yeah. Or you might have isometric, like the sort of what you would now think of as like micro machines um, yes, style, yeah, yeah. where it's sort of an isometric view. But F Zero was like actually more 3D, and you you feel like you're actually moving around a track in 3D, even though it probably was still using tricks to to not actually. Yeah, it was you know, also sort of 2D sprites effectively, like lying on top of each other. Yeah, like F Zero they did a lot of interesting things to to sort of make it work like if you're not familiar with f-zero before like before we dive too much into it it's like like you said it's like set in the future you are flying like hover cars effectively there's no wheels uh they actually did that because it made the sprite work easier because to to like do all the different sprites at different angles for the carts uh if they had to also have rotating wheels that would have been loads of work so they got rid of them and you're playing on like a floating track in the sky which is also a trick because there's like very little terrain uh sort of movement like it's like a flat floating racetrack um so there's no terrain around you because you're in the sky so you can just have a flat skyline which was also like a, a trick because it's very very fast right the idea of f-zero is that these hover cars are going ridiculously fast and yeah. to give you that sense of speed the game is also incredibly smooth you know this is a game that was basically 60 fps but on a snes you know like like it was, <laughs> yeah. it was that's that's ridiculous um and and actually that's a that's a theme like 
uh, F0X is, is sort of the F0 of our era, which was on the Nintendo 64. And that looked terrible. Like, if you look at screenshots of F0X, it looked awful. And it was because they had to dial down so much of the graphics to make it run at 60 yeah. FPS on the Nintendo 64. Um, but on so, the flip yeah. side of that, I think it also, these that, that game and F-Zero, the, one, the initial one, goes and tells a story about how get, uh, racer games push the boundaries, right? Like right. you've already mentioned earlier. In the, Although F-Zero-X looks like garbage from a still <laughs> screenshot, but when it's in action... Yeah, you know, when right. you sit at the step up from F Zero, where now you've got these fully three D tracks, you're doing loop the loops, mm. you're doing jumps, you're doing yeah. corkscrews. You had like yeah. the, the the like the the half pipes and like the cylinders. Mm. And you yeah, had yeah, like yeah. The, the the pipes that you were on the outside of it going around like yeah. on a three you know three hundred and sixty degree angles on them and yeah. all of that going at like insane speeds, never feeling yeah. like it was a trick. It, it's really impressive what they managed to do with such a limiting yeah. amount of hardware, even though, again, it was a fairly early... I don't know when F2X came out. It might have not been a launch title, but very close to it. Mm. You, you know, they still managed to squeeze all this wonderfully interesting, unique way of racing out of an N1064, which is still a fairly limited piece of hardware. Mm. And I think all F-Zero games actually were also surprisingly complicated in that you mm. had, like, loads of techniques. You know, you you've always had that, like, you would have power and you could use it to boost but as you that was like your health so if you yeah. boosted you would be losing health effectively and if you bashed into the side you would lose a lot of health and potentially die you could there would be like recharge lanes but they would slow you down so it was like a balance of that um they also you had bots to make sure that it was actually varied because these tracks have mm-hmm. no you know they're just completely flat so there's not really any you know, you could just sort of like muscle memory the tracks if you didn't have bots in the way. Uh, in F-Zero X, you could like barge other other yeah. vehicles yeah, yeah, yeah. as you well. Could like knock um, them out effectively. To like knock them out. So they had like a lot of complexity and it was at really high speed and really fast and like, tr- you know, sort of real trigger reactions. So yeah, pushing the limits of the consoles, pushing the limits of the complexity of like what it means to, you know, what do you need to think about when you're racing but not in a simulation way in a like sci-fi you know futuristic way like giving mm. you things to think about that you wouldn't have to think about when driving a car around a track um, which is really the interesting. game very much to me screams the nintendo way of looking at things so like if we don't have something new to do with the game we're not doing it which is why yeah. we've not had a new f-zero <laughs> game since 2003 with f-zero gx on the uh, yeah GameCube. i know right yeah. um and that's kind of true as well in the sense that like, there are a lot of other games within this sort of genre within racing we've the ones i've put down a wipeout is the obvious one like wipeout is very much like the sony equivalent of f-zero for the playstation mm. the original playstation and then the other games i've kind of come up with are, are ones that i really had to google for if i'm honest with you um there's hover racing i've Mm. I've never heard of it before there's fast racing neo which i believe was on the wii u which is again it's very like f-zero wipeout style yeah i I did write down earlier for the arcade ones but didn't mention was star wars episode one pod racer or just racer i think it's Mm. it's called pod racer you know Mm. again it has a very similar vibe to it like there's more uh terrain to it it's more traditional like going around at track rather than sort of like this weird like all over the place like floating track in the sky but it's a similar yeah. sort of idea like frictionless cars you know hovers and going super super high speeds and in fact that was a really good game too that was like a straight up enjoyable game mm. yeah there's not you're right like i think one of the challenges is like there's been quite a lot of bad f-zero clones because i think getting the yes. feel of it right is really Absolutely. quite difficult yeah yeah and but also i think to some extent nintendo probably aren't wrong like it kind of has maybe had its day um mm. as a thing because 
you're not going to be pushing the boundaries so much anymore. Like there's yeah. not going to have the same kind of wow factor that it had back then. Uh, it's just going to be a good game if you like F-Zero style games. Mm. Um, so yeah, interesting. Speaking of genres that have many clones of them from the one that we're going to talk about today, uh, <laughs> that would be the next one, which is the Kart Racer. Mm. Uh, and I mean, it kind of goes without saying that the granddaddy of them all is very much Super Mario Kart. Now, there may have been other kart races before that, but I would say that in terms of the genre defining mm. element, if it's Super Mario Kart or just the Mario Kart games in general, it's very hard to pick like one of them for me. Like yeah. I think they all have, most of them have some defining feature about them that said this is the def- definitive kart game. Right. Um, but we're going with the first one for the Super Nintendo again, the Super Mario Kart game. Yeah. Um, in the it's reasonably easy to create so the amount of clones of them were uh, huge and because (laughs) it's also for the most part probably the most uh easy to start playing as well like it's very Mm. user-friendly it's very beginner-friendly to try and pick up and play and typically speaking they're also aimed at a more i don't want to say casual audience but certainly a more sort of like relaxed play session you know Mm. you're not going to sit down and sort of like you know try and bash out like three hours worth of like time trials for example on a mario kart game are you yeah you know you're there to have like a bit of fun with some friends and then put it back down again yeah and as a result of it i would say kart races are probably the most played racing games overall Mm. yeah and i think kart racers real magical trick is that they almost always have and because they need them uh power-ups right Mm. and it's all about balancing skill level right super mario kart all the mario kart games have been about like you get a better power-up at the back than if you're at the front and that keeps everyone in the middle which keeps everything chaotic which keeps it fun and that means that anyone can play them and Mm. even if you played mario kart for years and years someone who's almost never played it or hardly played it will still have a fun time racing most of the time yeah. because they will be balanced out by, you know, anything can happen in the last, yeah. you know, it's always that thing, right? You've been first the entire game, the entire race, and then in the last corner, you're hit by like two blue shells, one after the yeah. other, and that's and it. And then you're back into like third or fourth, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that, that, it's incredibly infuriating, but that's also part, part of the magic of it as well yeah. in the sense that like, you exactly. know you can do better. So like, oh, come on, well, do, I'll, I'll, I'll prove to you that I'm good at this game sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? But then like, you might still happen to do it again. The person who sort of knocked yeah. you out manages to maybe get up like you know, sixth place or something like that. And they yeah. feel good about that because they're not as bad as they thought they were going to be. And, you know, yeah. and they can tell that this is very much an important part of the game because even in the most recent ones, for example, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, they've got the ability to like have like almost AI assist driving with a yeah, little like, antenna yeah. thing on the back. Right. Like it doesn't drive for you, but it very much like keeps Notice you on you. the track so that you don't yeah. stop racing at any time. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Mario Kart also wins because does like mario is very recognizable and the associated Mm. characters are very recognizable you know if you think about other games that have tried to emulate it and they're not bad games like there's been plenty of sonic ones that are good there's crash team racing is not bad um but they just don't match up to mario uh like because they just don't right like this no. sonic and there's a it also, of Sega it, don't it's exist very much one of those kind of games where it needs the balance and it needs the yeah. polish right in the if this is if for it to be good it has to be excellent and if it's yes. not excellent it's pretty crummy 
Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of redeeming features otherwise. So a lot of yeah. the the clones and a lot of like the cash grabs, like I'm thinking things like SpongeBob carting. I'm mm-hmm. sure there is like a Nickelodeon one or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. The reason that's mm-hmm. probably not as good is because it's just not had quite the same level of like care and attention right. put into it that it kind of right. needs because it's a relatively easy sell to kids, right? Because yeah, it's yeah, a kart yeah. racer. It's easy to play. It's got your favorite franchise in it job done make money yeah so but car racing is really important part of this genre like like Mm. we say it's probably people's first introduction to racing games most of the time unless they are like already kind of like enjoy the car culture yeah right exactly and if we're talking about car culture and racing games about you know actual racing in real life then the granddaddy of them all is gran turismo Mm, yeah yeah 100% it's one of those where like I think this was made and they almost didn't quite realize how important this game was gonna be Mm, yeah definitely definitely I think that all the Gran Turismo games what's interesting is they are a racing simulator but not really right in the sense that they are still very arcade and approachable but they feel like a simulator Mm. which kind of raises their prestige I think the other thing about Gran Turismo that's interesting and important, now we're still sort of starting to talk, and we're going to talk generally a a little bit more now about kind of games more grounded in real life, is that Gran Turismo had licensed vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And getting car manufacturers to agree to put their car in a game at the time of Gran Turismo, you forget now because any old mobile game has like licensed cars in it. But at the time, it was difficult Mm -hmm. to get car manufacturers to sign on and the limitation would not be how many cars you can fit in the game it was which companies will yeah, give you their, their cars to put to in license the game them, yeah you know which cars will which companies will give the developers access to the cars mm. to like work out the geometry of them and things like that so gran turismo had detailed cars it had 140 of them uh, and that's a huge deal you know if you're into cars you want to see your favorite car mm-hmm. or your favorite car manufacturer in the game you want to race that car that you really love uh, and that's what gran turismo gave you that other games struggled to give you at the time and st- still struggled for a long time it was also one of the earlier games that allowed you to sort of like earn those cars and like buy them and like yeah. build a garage of cars and right. like start tuning them right. in ways you wanted to like have cars for yep. specific types of events or is it like you know is it a drag mm. race event is it like a, an endurance race event is it a bit of a drift yep. event etc and you right. were able to sort of like really tinker with your individual car. So rather than being sort of like, I press go and I drive the car and it go brr, you're able to almost like have an extension of the car culture that you enjoy in real life within a right. game. Right. And tuning is a big part of car culture and like racing and things like that. So having it as a feature is not essential, but is like a huge plus. And Gran Turismo had it. It had physics and it had tuning that would be, that would affect the, you know, be affected by the physics. Um, at the time, a lot of games would like, and, and sort of from then on, you would sort of see it, it was like give and take. Like some games would have a weather system, but wouldn't have <laughs> yeah, tuning. Yeah, yeah. Some would have damage, but wouldn't have very many cars. Like the, all this sort of thing, like backwards yeah. or not many tracks. Yeah. That was another one. It's hard, but it's hard to sort of, before we move on to other games, it's hard to overstate the importance of Gran Turismo, not even just from a racing game or video game point of view in that it has constantly pushed the boundary for for the PlayStation and has always been a flagship title for Sony. But also like on racing as a sport, Mm -hmm. there's like a program, if you like, called GT Academy, which is a partnership between Sony and Nissan and the developers of Gran Turismo. And 
they basically would run this is quite recent they would run i say quite recent i'm showing my age it's not it's probably been around for about 15 years <laughs> they ran online championships and online time trials with whatever version of gran turismo it was at the time and the winners actually got into an academy where they would be trained to be real racing drivers nice. and race real cars and and that's because these Gran Turismo got good enough that, like, if you were good at Gran Turismo on a GT on a track in Gran Turismo, yeah, the skills were transferable. You knew the track enough, in real life. Yeah. yeah, and obviously it's completely different to racing in real life, but it was not. It was similar enough yeah. that you were showing potential yes, by yeah, yeah, yeah. being good at Gran Turismo. And there are real championship winning drivers for real teams that have come through GT mm-hmm. Academy, right? And that is like the if you love racing games, right? That's like that's the dream and so to actually have that as part of racing games as a thing is is insane <laughs> you mentioned one part of that that we haven't put in the notes but i think it's important as well it's not just about the, tr- the cars it's about the tracks too like it's really Ooh. important to get those tracks 100%. exactly as you have how they are in real yeah. life i mean the yes. detail in them is so perfect that you can train on yeah. them and then go and drive these courses yeah. in real life. And you be like, yeah, I know exactly what angle to attack this corner at and how exactly. long this straightaway is going to be, et cetera, and what sort of speeds I need to be going in this particular car with this particular setup before I need to start braking and things like that. And there's, yeah. there's quite a few games that have tried and done similar things in the past with this, where it's like, it's not quite a perfect simulator, mm. but it still has a gaming element to it. And I remember when I played this a long time was the Toka Race series of games, uh, yeah. I don't know what Toka stands for, in perfect honest with you. No, no um, idea. But Grid as well, right? Which is Race Driver Grid is like related to the same group as yeah. well um, of games. There's all the F1 games. There's all the Rally Championship games. And of course, there's Forza Motorsport. Yes, specifically the Motorsport like games, yeah. Gran Turismo, but Xbox. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, never really quite you know it's very successful and a very technically impressive games. And again, does a similar thing as Gran Turismo does to the PlayStation, but for Xbox over the years. Um, but Gran Turismo is like the one, yeah. right? It's like that's the console simulator game that has actually literally spawned racing drivers, <laughs> which is like pretty compelling. Um, the the thing, however, is that but, like a lot of people like in racing games isn't necessarily the realistic part of the cars. It's the fact that they get to drive mm. these ridiculous sports cars in ways that you certainly couldn't do in real life without just basically having an infinite amount of money in your bank account, right? And a type of game that basically lets you live out that fantasy of having whatever car you like and like, you know, blinging it out and doing what you want with it in ridiculous ways, along with also following with the culture of the time as well, was the the Need for Speed games as as a whole. But specifically for us, we want to talk Mm. about Underground 2. And that's because this was sort of the game that we played growing up but it was also at the same sort of mm. time as the fast and furious films were coming out with the tuna culture yeah. which was coming out of japan very much so uh again another element of things that we were saying about from the uk but again there's another sort of japan inspired style of, of mm. you know the culture and it yeah. allowed you to sort of play these real cars like these these were all real inspired cars you know they, again they weren't like knockoff mm. like you know no name ones and you could do mm. ridiculous things with them, but without having to worry about like, you know, knowing how to drive them properly because they were still relatively arcadey yeah. in the way they played. And the the appeal yeah. of these games wasn't that you wanted to sort of like, you know, realistically how quickly from 0 to 60 could this car go, but like, I want to drift around a street corner in New York and, you know, go underground street right. racing sort of thing. Right. And Need for Speed Underground 2 combined a whole lot of 
things, not only did you have all the sort of the tuna culture side of things, but it also added an open world, yes, which was yeah, actually yeah. well crafted and looked decent and had a lot of variety. Like it, there were mountain passes, there was cities, there was a bit of off-road stuff. Um, like, but it And it also had a really good career mm. mode. You know, where you were like working your way up, you know, and getting better as a racer and tuning your car more and more to get faster and and compete in harder and harder races. And that sort of like feedback loop, you know, that good RPG Mm. feedback loop leveling up sort of mechanic now bleeding into racing games, you know, with with games like Underground. It had quite a lot of like micro rewards, right, where like you would do these particular Mm. set of races and to allow the ability to say like buy this brand of car or you'd be able to access to this particular type of like engine upgrade or something like that and then you'd feel like you were getting your car becoming well stronger i guess is the wrong word but like faster and more technically capable but also at Mm. the same time you were getting better at racing this game as well because it's not a racing game simulator it was a very much a game for first and foremost but you kind of got a better feel for it and as a result you sort of you became more competent by the end of it you are racing like super quick like around these really unrealistic types of races but it felt super cool and super fun yeah definitely like it's all about the cool factor right Mm -hmm. and i like a lot of people need for speed specific particularly underground to like like inspired a lot like or like grew people's love of cars Mm. and like car culture and things like that and i definitely have to shout out that like in underground 2 the main car like the starting car the car on the front cover is a nissan 350z and the reason why i own a the the successor to the 350z the 370z is because i played yeah. underground yeah, 2 yeah. and i drove around in a 350z and i was like this is my this is my favorite car and i'm gonna own one one day <laughs> right? and you do like yeah and that's why it paid off to, for brands to actually put their cars 100 percent. i mean starting to realize at, at this, this point. point they really were and that in combination with the fact that they had like all licensed music as well like all the music was by yeah. like you know well-known very popular bands of the time you know music yeah. artists of the time even the mods were licensed right like actual brands yeah. of companies that make you know exhaust mods or like aftermarket or, stuff yeah you know whatever it was yeah was all legit in underground too and that really helped as well like you know add legitimacy to you know it's not it's like it really it was part of that culture yeah. it wasn't like very separate you know, to, pretending to, to track be in racing, that culture. but still right. very important within racing culture as a whole yeah absolutely and it's funny like um you know you've already mentioned burnout and uh it, and burnout sort of has a similar thing in the sense that it is about like very arcade like speeds and sort of coolness and, and that kind of thing funny thing about burnout is that it has no licensed cars Mm. and it has no licensed cars because i believe the anecdote is that that none of them wanted (laughs) their cars to be in a game where they specifically got smashed up because that's what burnout was all about (laughs) uh which is so funny to think now when you think about racing games that are full of licensed cars and the cars just can end up looking like complete shit (laughs) and car manufacturers don't care anymore but at the time advertising for them other games that were similar to it that I really couldn't think of a way to add into this section, but it's so important to talk about is Ridge Racer, right? Ridge Racer yeah. was a launch yeah, yeah. title on the original PlayStation for crying out loud. You know, mm. like it's an important game, but it just doesn't quite fit in all of the same categories that we were talking about. So <laughs> yeah. it kind of has this similar sort of like, you know, Funny. arcadey, fast moving feel to it. Um, mm. So that's kind of why I wanted to mention it now, but it doesn't have the same open world. It doesn't have the, the real car tuning culture to it. I don't yeah. know. It's, I needed to shoehorn it in somewhere and that felt the most appropriate (laughs) overall. 
I also you you mentioned Blur on here mm. as well, and which I sort of think straddles the Underground Two and Kart Racing because, and I really loved Blur. Yeah, uh, like that's the, a UK the, one. It's it's like real cars, but like power ups. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. It was so good and it was so stylized yeah. and I loved it. Seen a seen a BMW three series driving down the road and using like a, a boost right. and then using like rocket. a rocket or something. Yeah, it's a bit weird. <laughs> a shield or something. Yeah. So good. So good. Like what a little hidden gem blur was. Um something that is definitely not a hidden gem though and now sort of really combines everything yeah, that we've I'd spoken say so. about. It combines simulation, it combines the car culture tuner culture it combines accessibility it just the open world the, the the open world the road trip vibe yes really like the the game that defines racing right now and it consistently raises the barrier every time they release a new one is forza horizon mm-hmm. uh uk-based game <laughs> yeah and You've got it's to keep from playground that, i think it's like playground games and turn 10 or something yes like that's that, right? right and the reason why it's been so good is because basically a bunch of devs from a bunch of different racing studios mm-hmm. in the UK all got together and got given a shitload of money by Microsoft <laughs> to make Forza Horizon. And it's been going for 10 years now as well, uh, which is crazy. I mean, it's the fact like, that it's they've been had five games time. in such a short amount of time shows how popular they are. And yeah. They are console Absolutely. sellers as well. And it's kind of they interesting are. how like the games series originally started with what we already mentioned earlier with Forza Motorsport, which was sort of the yeah. equivalent of Gran Turismo on the Xbox. But then it's it's kind of like it's splinter sort of like I don't know, it's it's less important, quote unquote, like offshoot game now has very much become like the most important racing game within the franchise yeah. as a whole, within the racing genre as it's a whole. It's far bigger than Forza yeah. Motorsport. It's far bigger than Forza yeah, Motorsport. Absolutely. Like, and it's not that yeah. it doesn't even try either. Like every time they make a new game, like there is something else that is pushing the boundaries. Like we yeah. mentioned in quite a few of these as well. Like the the weather system, a day-night cycle, a, a realistic approach to the area. Like they all they always try and make it so there's in a particular like real landscape and they've done one based in the uk they've done one based in mexico they've done one based in australia you know and they get that sort of that that locale and that feel to it and they try and sort of like bring across all the types of races that would be in those locations a bit more and the the pool of cars to choose from is absolutely monumentally enormous uh one thing we haven't talked about that i mentioned in the notes earlier but didn't bring up was the fact that these games all have like online multiplayer now so you're able to do both wonderfully easy multiplayer like almost seamlessly multiplayer but Mm. also there's a collaborative effort for art as well like the ability to sort of you know have different decals and like skins for your cars and huge if you want to download like a whole tuning setup for a particular type of car that someone's probably with a lot more knowledge than you has made you can just copy it without having to like sit there learning the actual mechanics of cars uh you know yeah all these things are now seamlessly integrated in the game and it, it can be a bit overwhelming if i'm perfectly honest with you on like where mm. to start and like how to play this sort of thing you know yeah it's it is difficult to overstate how much you take it for granted how much is in forza horizon when you go back to something like gran turismo mm-hmm. right in the sense that like it's not even like it's everything we talked about but it's also like there are fully simulated interiors of the yeah. cars it's like always running at a good like frame 400 rate. There are cars now mind cars. you yeah yeah there are yeah like every single car you can think of is in there um there's damage there's like you know it's actual sim- like decent simulation from forza motorsport just dialed back a little mm-hmm. bit it's multi-surface it's open world it, there's it's also there's very accessible tuning. as like, well i mean that's something we haven't talked yeah, about either, is. Is that there's it lots is. of accessibility uh, 
options in that you can choose it to be an automatic or manual for the gears you can have it so that the abs kicks in automatically or doesn't you can have it so the damage affects it you can have the tires get worn down you can have the fuel levels yeah all of these things are all controllable and more you know there's there's even more too so if you are an absolute newbie but still want to enjoy sort of racing you know a a stupidly fast lamborghini you can do that but also if you want to like go balls to the wall in like a little like mini cooper on like you know a mountain pass you can do that too um yeah and it'll still be a lot of fun yeah i think they just they continue continuously push the boat out with forza horizon and every time they smash like all the right things about car about sort of like that that general car culture thing Mm. i've sort of i've written down in the notes like forza horizon appeals in the same way that top gear appeals yes right it's like it it's sort of it's that car culture as a whole like real interesting cars but also just real interesting like the excitement around Mm. cars and yeah like it's it's yeah it's really really good i love i do love i've played all of them apart from the most recent one. I mean, the only um, problem, I, I suppose, is like, where do they go from here? Like, it's it does have a, a limit, I think, eventually, where it's now going to become like, well, how do we kind yeah. of add more to it? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a live service version of Forza Horizons at some point. Um, I they mean, already it, sort of halfway are there anyway. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So it's halfway there it'll anyway. be interesting to see how they go from there. Um, there are yeah. quite a few other games within a similar sort of genre, but that one easily is the defining <laughs> they struggle one. now um, yeah, they struggle. but i've got things like project cars and project gotham racing similar sort of vibes yeah. there's the crew which yeah. very much felt like it was trying to basically be the same game but i just don't yeah. just didn't have the same level of appeal um there's dirt which is sort of the same okay. uh with more of a mm. focus on things like off-roading and stuff like that i saw one yeah. website trying to recommend to me snow runner as another alternative i'm like no, i'm not sure that's a racing game um, <laughs> but i can kind of see yeah. what they were going for um and then the things like test drive unlimited as well which yeah i don't know i've not played the test drive games but they they do have a very very uh enthusiastic fan base yeah they do and i think also in a weird way like in a sort of side point there's grand theft auto yeah and i sort of see like grand theft auto in a way like isn't that far removed from not too much more especially the the online stuff like uh, gta online right exactly where now they have like more cars and they have more racing types and you have all the community-based stuff where you can build the races themselves and stuff like that yeah Absolutely. That's where ma- uh, car manufacturers draw the line, right? Like GTA doesn't have no, real cars in because they have well, like guns and pretend <laughs> versions of real cars because <laughs> yeah. it's a bit too, too, too much. No, you can't commit crimes in my, in, in our Lamborghini, please. And you can go at speeds above the speed limit on public roads, but no killing people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I guarantee um, you yeah, would that's a hundred types of games and many types of genres. For example, I know one thing Man. that we were discussing is like, is audio surf a racing game? It kind of is, but yeah, kind of I a wanna, rhythm game. I and... want to have an argument about that. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Tony about it. She was like, are you kidding? Like, is Guitar Hero a racing game? <laughs> I mean, and you could argue. I... But then we also said things I like speedrunning games, kind of like game. like speedrunners and yeah. M plus plus. The things yeah. are they racing games? Um, ones yeah. that are like definitely racing to some extent is things like the crazy taxi games and like Simpsons Hit and Run. Yeah, like games where you're like primarily in a car, but you're 
but it's not like a race. But you're on a it's time limit. It is a ra- it's a you, it, race against a time. Exactly. So it's yeah. kind of a racing game. We haven't really touched yeah. on like the enthusiast games either that much. And if no. I'm honest with you, the reason for that is I just don't know enough about them to do them justice. Me neither. It's the kind of thing where you have like a full force feedback, like steering wheel setup and pedals yeah. and a manual gearbox to your left and stuff like that. There's a whole interesting culture as well around like people who stream those games, like things like Assetto Corsa and iRacing as well as mm. the big one because there's actual proper tournaments of iRacing and teams in iRacing they spend hundreds even thousands of pounds on like full setups and then stream those you know and yeah like there's a whole we've got to the point now where technology allows you to do that highly highly accurate level of, of of real sort of simulation proper simulation and then another one which only came to me like halfway through making the notes is Trackmania. Like it's really, yeah. really weird type of racing game, but it is a racing game at the end of the yep. day. You know, yep. and it's more about very, like very the popular as well. pure repetitive nature of like absolute precision yep. more than it is about like the kind of the grinding of gears and the bashing of side mm. panels against one another. Um it's very much about yep. like the time trial rather than the the physical race yeah. itself. Um but yeah, yeah this also draws inspiration from things like F Zero, you know, yeah. with the like, you know, crazy tracks and loop the loops and stuff like that so there's there's this huge world of of racing game types which i we Mm. haven't done full justice to these are ones that we think stand out and i think the ones that maybe also exemplify certain elements of racing games that are interesting too Mm. but we've missed some out and i guarantee you know what they are so tell us and get in touch yeah get in touch um you can send us an email show at octal.fm or get us on twitter twitter.com forward slash octal.fm or facebook facebook.com forward slash octal.fm i also wonder like there's a we haven't thought about Octal FM hot takes for for the rate the racing genre. It's like, an interesting I, one because it's a little bit pegged, isn't it? Like you it's know? a little bit like you know mm. it's in its place because what else can I think you like do? VR now? has has like there's some VR future God, that with racing like that's not really you would being explored throw that up much. immediately. Almost certainly, <laughs> um, but like there's def there's you know there's definitely something there. I think maybe we'll see. Will we see a resurgence of sci-fi? You know, that sort of plays quite well with VR, Mm. like dovetails quite nicely because, you know, you can sort of dial down the graphics maybe or do things, you know, in the same way that like F-Zero and Mario Kart sort of do things that you can't do in real life with power-ups and stuff like that. VR sort of then gives you like the feeling of racing, but then you can then do fantastical and interesting things with Mm. them. I would love to see a resurgence of the racing adventure game, like Diddy Kong Racing. Yeah, sure. Uh, because I that's one of my favourite games of all time, but I don't think we'll see it uh, because I think Forza Horizon is probably the closest maybe we'll like get a to a Diddy Kong Horizons racing. game, but like set in not the Earth. I don't know. Yeah, like a like a cart cart game Mario, but Forza Horizon. Maybe you get know. like that in combination <laughs> with some like Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts, where you build your own cars along the way. I don't know. Oh my god, Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts! We didn't talk about that. <laughs> it's not really oh, a racing a game. game, is it? It's more yeah. of a platform with well, cars. No, I guess still. not. I guess not. Um, but yes, you can tell we've missed loads of games because we've just come up with a bunch already, and we um, are now yes, sputtering until... across the finish line to the end of the episode. <laughs> yes, your races for today were me gelada <laughs> and me Stefan. <laughs> and catch us again for another episode of octal fm very soon